Hello, and welcome to the Feed Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Ann Roos, Senior Reporter for Feed Strategy. Swami Haladi is Mycotoxin Program Manager at Trow Nutrition. Trow recently released its 2021 Global Risk Analysis for Mycotoxins, and Dr. Haladi is here to talk about what that analysis found. Hello, Swami. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Ad. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, nice to be talking to you. Can you start off by explaining the big six mycotoxins and how prevalent they are in Trow's 2021 mycotoxin analysis? Yes, of course. Uh, you know, we every day, every year, sorry, uh, we pretty much in the month of February, we do this, uh, uh, what we call as the, uh, the global mycotoxin uh, uh, data release uh, based on the analysis we do in 2021 or 2020, depending on the year, we release this data. And uh, uh, so it will be a combination of raw materials and feeds, uh, complete feeds uh, that are used uh, uh, in various livestock uh, species for, uh, for feed production. So yeah, when we look at uh, 2021 uh, uh, data set, uh, what we have, uh, we found uh, interesting results uh, with uh, aflatoxin uh, contamination, uh, you know, the positive samples coming around 63%, uh, with Zeralanan, uh, the second most prevalent uh, at 53%, followed by Dawn at 48%, Fimonosins at 44%, and then Ocratoxin A and T2 were, were the lower in the, in the segment of 39 and 18%. Uh, so also want to mention this to the listeners that uh, we strictly apply the limit of uh, uh, detection uh, because if you don't do that, sometimes you tend to see higher percentage of contamination. So basically what it means about the high uh, percent contamination is if you analyze 100 samples out of those, how many will have the mycotoxin concentration above the limit of detection. So that's what we uh, call it as a percent contamination. We also look at uh, the concentrations of mycotoxins, which is very important. And uh, this year we, we did slightly different uh, from what uh, we used to do and what others do is in terms of looking at median value. Uh, if you have, let's say thousand samples uh, we find out uh, the median concentration for aflatoxin rather than just the average uh, concentrations. Uh, so that is something uh, we have been doing and we see uh, you know, somewhere low to medium toxicity for aflatoxin, a medium to high toxicity for uh, zeralanan in terms of the concentrations, uh, like for, you know, except for Ocrotoxin A, which has a low toxicity, pretty much all of them had low to medium toxicity uh, in terms of uh, you know, looking at an average across the species of animals. Maybe one species of animal is more susceptible like piglets, uh, but uh, what I mentioned is across the species, if you take a bit of an average uh, of overview, uh, that's what we saw in uh, 2021 uh, raw materials and feeds, and that will you know, most of those raw materials, at least in some countries, do get carried to the next year in 2022, uh, give us a little bit of an outlook uh, on the potential challenge. And why is the median of data points a better measure than the mean or the average? 
yeah so i mean we looked at that uh, what is really interesting uh, when we look at the data uh, you know the average is a bit of a, a funny number because uh, uh, you know if there is one one or two big uh, concentrations let us take an example of aflatoxins right aflatoxins generally you see somewhere around 20 30 5 5 10 parts per billion Uh, most of the cases you seldom see high concentrations beyond 100 ppb of aflatoxins uh, but what we saw in 2021 few samples more than 1500 parts per billion and that was really skewing, skewing the data towards the higher average concentrations and that maybe you maybe have a, a peanut samples coming from somewhere corn silage so that doesn't really reflect Uh, the situation in the field so when we spoke to statisticians and some of my colleagues in this area uh, you know we thought that median is a better value because you know median is basically if you have let's say uh, nine samples uh, five will be the median four will be below the five and uh, one two three four and uh, up to nine six seven eight nine so uh, pretty much is the central number and it can gives a nice distribution of the of the of the of the toxins and uh, it's a bit more realistic uh, not skewing the data uh, to the to the higher concentrations or sometimes lower concentrations also so uh, we believe that and that's what we started implementing from uh, 2021 what are emerging mycotoxins and why do they seem to be getting so much attention in recent years yeah i think in, during our our call uh, we did mention about that emerging mycotoxins uh, because uh, especially in the european union uh, their observation has been that these emerging mycotoxins are beyond these big six toxins what we mentioned earlier the big six being aflatoxins okra t2 don fumonacin and zerelanon and what they are observing is in through some of the uh incidences the evidence for these incidences uh through the university research or through some uh, you know industry research they found uh close to 15 20 different mycotoxins uh, uh the concentrations they are becoming uh more uh, i would say the evidence of their presence is becoming more and more but they are not analyzed regularly by the by the customers and also they have not been legislatively regulated so you know there is no one going to tell you that your feed is bad because the, you have an emerging mycotoxins because there is no regulation on that so that's why uh, but since their incidences the evidences are increasing uh, they are getting uh, more important just to mention few toxins uh, fusaric acid for example uh, part of the fusarium group and i did some research in the past uh, that fusaric acid increases the toxicity of uh, don uh, so these emerging mycotoxins uh, eniatins another example moniliformin is another example you know all these toxins i think there is some evidence to increase the toxicity of those big six uh, mycotoxins so i think i think that's why they're getting uh, uh, importance these days and what is the prevalence of emerging mycotoxins compared with the big 6 in the 2021 analysis 
Very good question, uh, and but uh, unfortunately, you know, we didn't analyze those uh, because customers usually look at these big six toxins. And, and just to uh, remind the audience that what we do the analysis is actually from the customers. It's not just we do kind of a survey. It's basically uh, you know routine quality control analysis. In some cases, maybe there is a challenge uh, in terms of the animal performance. So. It's, it's a practical data, what we gather. Uh, and so we don't really analyze emerging mycotoxins, uh, but uh, what I see from uh, others and also from scientific evidences, uh, I think their incidences uh, are increasing depending on the weather pattern. Of course, some years there will be more, some year will be less, uh, but yes, definitely fusaric acid, if you take an example, uh, it's an emerging mycotoxins, but we do know quite a bit about that. And uh, that is present more often than deoxynolanol or DON, the big six toxin, right? So uh, definitely they are an issue. Uh, I think uh, uh, we are also looking at LCM SMS to enhance uh, these uh, emerging mycotoxin uh, uh, analysis capabilities. So I think in the, in the next few years, you will hear more about that from us. How does weather affect mycotoxin prevalence? And can you give me some examples of weather events from last year that might have contributed to mycotoxins? The, the impact of weather is very high. Uh, in fact, a lot of research is going on and uh, uh, you know, is there in a climate change or global warming as an impact? Uh, you know, those are small changes, incremental changes as we, as we see, uh, but uh, there are clear evidences, uh, you know, uh, as I said to you, in, uh, when we were discussing earlier, you know, I was I'm very fortunate to have some experience both from the temperate regions of the world, as I spent uh, you know more than ten years in in Canada, so worked quite a bit in the U.S. as well, and also working in Asian region. Uh, so if you look at the temperate regions in Europe and, and North America, uh, you know whether during uh, the 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 flowering season we call silking season uh, for, for corn and, and, and wheat. Uh, during that season, if there is more rainfall, uh, because if you take an example of Canada, a lot of lakes around it, uh, even Eastern US. Uh, so you see a lot of rain during those months of July, August, uh, uh, which is very conducive for the fusarium fungus to grow. And that's why you see a lot of dawn in that particular uh, 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 time. So, uh, you know, excess rainfall has been a challenge uh, pretty much uh, every year, but maybe different parts of the world. And the second one is if you look at the tropical countries, uh, you see a lot of challenges in Africa and Asia with drought situations, less rainfall, more stress to the corn uh, while growing and other crops. So, you see more of aspergillus. Uh, aflatoxins uh, being produced, fumonosins production increasing. So those are the, uh, depending on whether which part of the world you're growing the crops, you see these uh, uh, challenges. And uh, excess uh, rainfall during the, uh, or floods uh, during the harvesting. So uh, unfortunately, the, the, the crop producers cannot uh, dry them properly. And then you have more storage mycotoxins like ochratoxin A increasing. So yes, in 2021, different parts of the world, uh, if you look at globally, all these incidences have happened. Asia, a lot of uh, floods and rainfall uh, in the later part of 2021. 
and uh, in some other parts of the world, rainfall during the crop growing production. So all have contributed to increased incidences of uh, mycotoxins. Can you tell me about some mycotoxin mitigation strategies and do those strategies differ depending on whether you're dealing with the big six or emerging mycotoxins or maybe like you said, by different regions? Yeah, uh, of course, uh, I think, uh, you know, these uh, mitigation strategies, honestly, vary from region to region, uh, depending upon the type of toxin you're looking at. And, uh, you know, if you look at aflatoxins, fortunately, you know, a, a good quality uh, clay can do a job quite nicely. Uh, but uh, if you look at other toxins, uh, T2, Zeralanan, you know, the bit of a moderate binding uh, by these clays also uh, noticed. Uh, but if you start looking at Dawn, Fimonosins, you know, these toxins are very difficult to bind. And uh, what we are trying to do is that looking at what is the impact of these toxins on the gut health, on the immune system, or the antioxidant system, you know, based on those negative effects, we start, uh, you know, developing or putting together our mitigation strategy in terms of including an you know, immune modulator, gut health promoting component, in addition to the binding agent and ruminant animals, the antioxidants becomes very important. Antioxidant system becomes very important also. And when it comes to these emerging mycotoxins, uh, some of them uh, do have an impact on the, on the antioxidant system. Take an example of mycophenolic acid in cows, commonly seen in silages, or you can take examples of, uh, uh, you know, moniliformin in broiler chickens, all these do have an impact on the antioxidant system. Uh, so I think a combination of uh, technologies uh, we need to look at. And uh, apart from that, uh, you know, basics of uh, good management of uh, silos, good management of uh, uh, feed, wild production, good hygiene, uh, you know, all these are very, uh, very critical. It's, it's not a, there is no silver bullet for mycotoxin management. You need to have uh, what I call 10-point system uh, at different levels, you need to manage uh, this challenge. And what is the outlook for feed and livestock producers this year regarding mycotoxins and what will need to be done to minimize their effects and ensure safe feed for animals and humans? Well, I think that is another objective for us. You know, when we start looking at 2021 uh, data, you know, for, uh, I think uh, in the first few months, uh, that information doesn't really make a lot of, it's more of academic importance, right? Because the cr crops you produce in probably March, April, I don't think you will have them uh, for usage in 2022. But what we look at is, you know, maybe somewhere after July, September, July, August, you know, those crops, we tend to use them for the for next year. So by looking at those and also doing a bit more analysis in 2022 in January, uh, and uh, the good thing about our system is that even I can take the data the previous day of my webinar, uh, because it's a continuous database improvement every day, the data is coming into our system. So when I look at somewhere between September to the middle of February, uh, data analysis uh, from September 2020, uh, one to the mid of February in 2022, uh, we did see a bit of a, a high risk uh, for aflatoxins and uh, I would say zeralanan uh, for especially for dairy and piglets. Uh, we did see a bit of a, a fimonosins uh, medium to high 
uh, as well as uh, for dawn, uh, pretty much across all the species. And uh, OTA and T2 are bit of a low, a low risk, which is which is kind of expected uh, because you know we do see over a period of uh, last few years bit of a decline in OTA levels and and, and T2 levels uh, in terms of ability to cause the problems uh, uh, in in animals, and that's also nicely fit in with the emerging mycotoxins and because out of these big six, big six toxins, maybe one or two toxins may go out of that big six. And uh, maybe in the future, one or two toxins you know, comes from those list of emerging mycotoxins uh, to make it uh, big six or big, big 10 going forward. So uh, I, I think it's important uh, that we take all this together and continue to do the good monitoring and good analysis, uh, increase the number of mycotoxins being analyzed and that should help our producers uh, to produce more, uh, you know, safe feed and also safe food for uh, for the for the for the consumers. Well, thank you, Swami, for your expertise, and thank you to the listeners for tuning in.